Welcome to Texas TL in Exile podcast. This is episode six, and I am TL, and I'll be bringing on a little in a little bit David Codria, who was instrumental with along with Mike Vanderbilt in breaking the Fast and Furious scandal. And that was about ten years ago, and then the other day I saw an article written in Yahoo News of all things that described how the Mexican authorities had arrested seven members of the government at the time of the Fast and Furious scandal on charges related to it. And I just thought it was an odd situation where the Mexican government was holding some of their officials to account for the things that went on that ultimately got uh, Brian Terry killed in the desert one night. And yet, none of the American officials who planned it, organized it, set it up, facilitated it, prosecuted it. None of them have ever been held to account. So I want to bring David in to kind of refresh everybody's mind on what this was. And if you need uh, to know more about it, if you scroll down to the bottom of my page, uh, the film Lies of Omission and Lies of Omission 2021, both in both of them, they're a pretty good segment on Fast and Furious. So without any further delay, uh, I'm going to bring David in. So we're here now with David Codria, uh, who was involved in the Fast and Furious scandal, actually broke it with him and Mike Vanderbilt. And there are some developments on that just this week. So I wanted to take a moment and, um, and, and chat with him about uh, what's going on as far as there. I know he's got an Amoland article coming up. David, I uh, appreciate you being here today. It'll be just like when we were sitting around my fireplace in my backyard. Exactly. Exactly. That was a great time. And um, I do also want to uh, point out that, uh, David, if you've seen Lies of Omission or Lies of Omission 2021, then you've seen what a big part David played in that breaking that scandal. If not, then you should watch it. But other than that, I'm going to have him talk a little bit about the developments this week. Yeah, well, as, as I understand it, the Mexico has issued arrest warrants uh, relating to the Fast and Furious gun tracking case. Uh, and a Mexican judge has put out, I believe, seven warrants. Uh, the Mexican government has only named three of the people, to my knowledge, that warrants have been uh, put out for. One is for a drug cartel leader who is in U.S. jail currently, and two others are uh, highly placed Mexican government officials, which, if anyone has been following the story at all, that makes perfect sense that uh, corrupt Mexican government officials were very, very heavily involved in making sure that the cartels were armed. And, and it's real curious that... Uh, um, with all the emphasis on Fast and Furious, including with the uh, Brady campaign lawsuit that they're partnering with the Mexican government on, that uh, the role of Mexican government officials in this and the absolute corruption over there is not garnering the headlines that uh, just basically the impetus to disarm Americans is getting. And, and of course, I think we all know the reason behind that. At one point, 
Eric Holder was under contempt of Congress. And as you pointed out, even in the film, that that, that just went nowhere. Um, I find it odd that after all this time, the American authorities have never been held accountable at all. It was it was their it was their plan. It was their um, their directives that caused it all to happen. And yet, it's a little I guess <clears throat> bothersome to think about the governmental situation in Mexico and the governmental situation in America, and they seem to have more integrity than we do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, that the Holder contempt of Congress impetus kind of lost steam and uh, has kind of dissipated. I'm not sure if it's even still active in the courts or not, or if it just somehow or other on permanent hold. I, I frankly haven't been following that aspect of it. Uh, I kind of lost heart in what our government was doing after uh, Jason Chaffetz took over the uh, House Oversight Committee and uh, appeared to just make noise once in a while on press releases, but didn't actually do anything. And Holder is a perfect example of someone who ought to have been further investigated, uh, if for no other reason than, in my opinion, he committed perjury in front of Congress when, when he told them, I believe it was in May of 2011, that he had just heard about Fast and Furious a couple of weeks ago, which is obviously disprovable when you consider the fact that the very night that Border Patrol agent Brian Terry was murdered in the desert, Holder's aide, a man by the name of Monty Wilkerson, received that call from Arizona and informed the attorney general and stated that the attorney general had been informed. So how do you go from what was it, December 14th, December 15th, 2010 to May 2011 and, and testify under oath that you just heard about it a couple of weeks ago. You tell me. Well, I, I, I think it's been pretty well pointed out even recently that as long as you have a D by your name, you can lie in front of Congress. If you have an R by your name, you're going to go to jail. Well, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't uh, have that much faith in the people with the R's by their name, because when they had the ball in their court, it was up to them to press it, and they didn't. And we didn't, you know, you, you, you brought up the fact that where are the American officials being prosecuted on this? Because what are, what are we really talking about? We're talking about a situation where, through this cynical operation, hundreds, at least, Mexican nationals have been killed. And, and what was this cynical operation about? They, they try to tell you it was about a botched gun sting, that they were trying to track the guns to the cartels. Well, you don't track the guns to the cartels by letting them go across the border and then escaping into the wild. And by keeping the Mexican authorities in the dark. You know, we, we, we had a Mexican attache uh, who was with ATF and he was overruled by the special agent in charge in terms of informing his counterpart as to what was going on with this program. Now, we can get back to that because while I believe that the people who were supposed to be in the official line of communications were, in fact, kept in the dark, uh, that doesn't mean that the people pulling the strings at the very top, particularly in, in the Calderon administration at the time, 
were oblivious to what's going on. I think the the corruption was so rife in that. And of course, we, we see with the uh, Fast and Furious warrants that uh, two of these officials were working for that administration. At the same time, Felipe Calderon was chastising Americans to quote-unquote ban assault weapons, okay? So, you know, up to the next, but but then, then we get back to why Americans haven't been prosecuted, and we saw one high-ranking lawyer from uh, the Southwest uh, Border States area. Uh, I believe he was part of the, uh, of the same region that the Phoenix Field Division ATF was in, and he ended up pleading the Fifth Amendment, okay? Well, <laughs> Why do you plead the Fifth Amendment? Um, you know, I, I, I guess that's uh, kind, kind of like uh, the cops saying, well, if you didn't do anything wrong, why don't you talk to us? But it still raises an eyebrow. And it raises more than that for me. Uh, it raises something that I have tried to get to the bottom of, jeez, oh, over 10 years now, right. recently partnering with Kent Terry, who was the uh, brother of slain Border Patrol agent Brian Terry. And we tried to get a Freedom of Information Act request um, answered. And what we got back was just, just a bunch of non-responsive gobbledygook that, that you know would take a room of, of people years to go through and try to make sense of and realize that all they were getting was redact redacted nonsense. Um, because here's the thing. In order for weapons to officially go south of the border, and including in our law enforcement operations, that's something that uh, agencies, particularly field divisions, don't just do in the dark. This has to be coordinated. This has to be coordinated with the State Department, which at the time was under Hillary Clinton, okay? Uh, so otherwise, even if you're not the one directly bringing the weapons across and, and no one is suggesting that ATF agents were actually the ones walking the guns, what they were doing is they were setting conditions up to where the gun stores were going ahead and letting these purchases happen and then being aware of and following the guns to the border, but no further beyond. That is arguably a violation of Arms Export Control Act laws, international traffic and arms regulations. These are things that are only uh, able to be circumvented through the State Department. So what did Hillary know and when did she know it? Uh, they're saying she didn't know anything about it, which means, well, then how come there are no prosecutions for arms export control violations? And or did she in fact know? And was this part of a coordinated plan? You know. Uh, Fast and Furious was what? December 2010 was when Brian Terry was killed. I have articles from a year before that with Eric Holder floating trial balloons on banning assault weapons. And, and whenever I say that, imagine quotation marks around it because I right, know that's yeah. a propaganda term. Um, yeah. then, then you have uh, all of our Solons uh, coming out and saying things like, well, 95% of Mexican uh, crime guns come from U.S. gun stores. And they varied that around to 80% and 70%. And, and what it turned out was it's not 90% of Mexican crime guns. What, what it is is it's 90% of the guns that have been reported by the Mexican government to the ATF for tracing, which means that it could only be a small fraction of the guns that they have, okay? But these are just the ones that have been reported for tracing. And they're not reporting all the others 
for tracing because for whatever reason, uh, half the time they're being sold off to the cartels. So this, this whole thing, TL, I was, I was putting together this article uh, for Ammo Land, and it was really difficult trying to decide, where do I stop? How much do I put in? This, this thing was like a Gordian knot because there's just so much information that I have out there that, that I worked on with our friend, the late Mike Vanderbilt. Much of that information is lost. Uh, a lot of my reporting at the time was done on the old examiner.com website, and they since closed up shop and they, they took the website down. And so I try to get a lot of these old articles uh, through uh, the Internet Archive, the Wayback Machine, which is a great site. I, I highly recommend everyone familiarize yourself with it because you, if you have a link that you find vital to be able to prove a point today that is from the past and you can no longer find it, try the Internet Archive and see, in fact, if you can't uh, find their web crawl and reconstruct it from there. I, I, I found the site to be invaluable. Right, right, definitely. And um, unfortunately, uh, you know, maintaining all of these records for all these years, that gets to be quite a quite a problem because you're, you know, even when websites stay up, they still have, you still have your computer that, that, you know, you may have had five computers since then, two or yeah, three yeah. at least, you know. Um, yeah. So whatever you had stored locally, now if you can't go back and get it, yeah, it's a real problem. It, that's one of the things that uh, I think they intentionally get involved in is drawing it out. I mean, you know, the, 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 what I consider a Clinton um, tactic is always to draw it out as long as you can, no matter what you have to do, draw it out and, 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 and make it all seem like the, you're dragging things up from 10 years ago, but it doesn't change what happened and it doesn't change what, what crimes have been committed that people knew about at the time. And one of the things that was really frustrating for me with uh, Fast and Furious was you can lay all of this information out in front of the people, in front of the courts, in front of our, our representatives. And they look at it like you're a citizen journalist. Well, and you don't get the credibility that, that others do, but they're... <laughs> The regular journalists have destroyed their credibility, and now all there really is is citizen journalists. And they're the only ones that, that are bringing this stuff to light uh, the way you guys did. But it's, it's like you said earlier, the, the, the Republicans in office are the ones who've let us down all the time. Yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately, it's all politics, okay? And the press... <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, going to take a more progressive slant on it. They're, they're going to, instead of looking at the evidence that's put before them, uh, I've found time and again, they try to put a spin on it and to make excuses and to either misinterpret what's been said or dismiss it as conspiracy theory or just simply not talk about it, what you call lies of omission. Okay, it's it's uh, it's the oldest trick in the book because most people get their information from the mainstream media. 
we early on were trying to get not only politicians interested, but the media interested. Okay. And, and by doing this, uh, we would lay stuff out for them and say, look, this is what we're finding out. This is what's being said by agents on cleanupatf.org, which was a website set up by disaffected agents to uh, try to expose agency waste, abuse, corruption, and fraud. Okay, don't take our word for it, we would say. Follow up on it yourself. And, and of course, what we got was every once in a while, we'd get notice from somebody who was an official real reporter who would deign to call us and demand our sources. Well, no, sorry, ain't going to happen. We were running scared at that time because we didn't know what we had, except we had confirmed through various sources going back and forth through a system Mike called the Desert Telegraph, uh, where we would go to trusted people and they had contacts to go to other people and back and forth and then try to sift through all this stuff and make sense out of it. Um, and there was no way with um, whistleblowers who were, really worried about coming in because they were worried about what would happen to them, to their careers uh, or more. I mean, after all, we're talking about people who are not above conducting an operation that requires guns to be found next to dead bodies at crime scenes. Okay. You don't mess with that. And, and of course, Mike and I were very small potatoes and we were feeling a little vulnerable at the time. And there's no way we're going to give this stuff up. We worked um, a lot to get notice from uh, Senate Judiciary and House Oversight, which we finally were able to establish to uh, get some assurance of protection beyond just what the Department of Justice says that it can provide to whistleblowers. Because you know when politics are involved, politics are involved. And we saw acts of retaliation. And we saw uh, Daryl Issa of the House Oversight Committee warning DOJ against documented acts of retaliation against whistleblowers. So all of this kind of stuff is going on. Meanwhile, we're trying to get the mainstream media to notice this because who's going to notice me? Who's going to notice Mike Vanderbilt? Okay, we're, we're uh, what Juan Williams dismisses is just a blogger. Okay, um, I'd like to know. I'd like to know what story he actually broke. Just a blogger today isn't quite the same thing as it was back then. Anyway, I know that I first started picking up on it when it was Operation Gunwalker on your site and Mike's site. Why are the Why is the ATF exposing its own actions? Um, of and why are they letting guns go down to Mexico? It just didn't make sense um, until. You know, after reading you and, and Mike enough, I realized, oh, I see it, it, it's to get the assault weapons ban. Right. Uh, and, you know, and Rahm Emanuel pulled the same thing in Chicago, too, you know, claiming that that all of his problems in Chicago with guns were due to Indiana's lax gun laws. Mm -hmm. It's the same narrative. One thing I did want to ask you about was... Um, what kind of heat you and Mike felt? Because for a while, you guys were the only ones talking about this. I mean, for months. At nothing overt, okay? We'd, we'd gotten a few uh, subtle, friendly advice-type warnings from people who were uh, friendly to us. I know that we were 
on the uh, on the minds of these people. And the reason I know that we were on the minds of these people is because I, I did a report on a uh, conversation that happened okay, in the acting director of ATF's office with the then chief counsel, top lawyer of ATF, where they were discussing our report, where we talked about the guy who first brought uh, Fast and Furious to our attention. Like I told you, we were, we were, uh, we were monitoring cleanup ATF, and, and there's a reason we were monitoring that site. We had discovered it actually years before, and I had written to the House Oversight Committee in 2009, uh, and, and of course, at the time, House Oversight was controlled by the Democrats, and so our pleas were ignored. Okay, uh, they they just ignored it. So I, I submit that had House Oversight done its job and reined ATF under control to follow the laws, that Fast and Furious would have not happened. We knew that Project Gunrunner was happening. That that. That had been something that had been announced, uh, you know, in, in, again, I believe 2009. And, um, but we didn't know that a gun walking portion of it coming out of the Phoenix Field Division was, was happening at the time. Uh, that people who have been killed by gun walking, Agent Brian Terry, uh, would still be alive and all that. But the fact that they didn't do this and finally... In December of 2010, after Brian Terry had been killed, there was a post on Cleanup ATF by a guy who uh, posted under the name of One Desert Rat. And he said, word is that the agent was killed with guns that were walked and that so-and-so, this, uh, I forget the guy's title, uh, authorized the program. Okay, this was when we started pulling strings, started sending out our feelers, started making contacts, and started pulling in information on this. And it wasn't until uh, we got a call from a producer and a reporter from CBS, it was Cheryl Atkinson, who, who turned out doing the uh, real groundbreaking work on this and, and getting the interview with John Dodson uh, on national television. And uh, for that, she was rewarded with several prizes at which CBS promptly decided to make her life difficult for her. And uh, so she's now working as an independent and doing the work that uh, the network don't want to see done. So hats off to her. Yeah, it does. It does boggle the mind to think about what if the institutions that we've had all along were actually doing what they were designed to do, which is news organizations finding out what's going on and telling us about it on one side you 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 obfuscate everything to keep the to keep the the true scandals from coming to light and then you you switch and you do everything you can to make a scandal out of anything and it's really if you think about it if if you would just tell us the truth it's i mean you know why i mean you understand why that's not the point the point is what different world would we live in if manipulation hadn't been the 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 way of sorting through things what if we could just find out the truth and deal with it i mean you have you have now 10 years later 
you have levels and levels and levels of lies and obfuscations and people getting out of power that should have been held accountable who now you know ply their trade in different ways i mean what evil could we have stopped if we had just been able to look at anything honestly and, and politicians had to deal with the things that they were caught with first of all they wouldn't try as many things because they'd be sure to get caught out oh I, I see exactly what you're saying and, it, and it's like uh, uh you know, the, the fact remains that evil is and that that people who want power over us are going to do what is in their interest to gain power over us. They are going to weaponize their agendas. They are going to weaponize information. They are going to exclude information that is a threat to that. Why is the way America is supposed to be so frowned upon and looked upon and, and, and they're trying to destroy it these days? It's because what America is supposed to be is a direct threat to the world that they want to create and that they want to rule over. It, it's just that simple. So that voices like yours and mine need to be discredited. They need to be ignored. Uh, if they can't be ignored, they need to be discredited. They need to have Alinsky Rule 5 ridicule applied to them. Look at these crazy tinfoil hat conspiracy nuts talking about this stuff. And or if that doesn't work and, and succeed in, uh, in driving people away, then we need to be escalated into we're anti-government extremists. Um, we're haters. We're we're bigots, we're, we're, we're Nazis and uh, uh, fascists, okay? And, and you see the administration under Biden and the FBI and the Justice Department under Merrick Garland uh, adopting some of the same, very same accusations that Antifa has been leveling against us, that we're all a bunch of racist reactionary Nazis and you know, how, how do you fight against it's it's TL, it's mass gaslighting is what's going on. And and it's incumbent on those of us who know the truth. You know, there, there's the uh, biblical passage, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. OK, and some of us do what we can to keep that truth alive and. It doesn't really matter, and, and this is one, one thing that I, th I think that we have to just kind of philosophically accept, that it doesn't really matter how many people understand it. Somehow or other, it's going to come through. Why can't, uh, why can't the government just be interested in getting to the truth? It's because what we're dealing with is we're dealing with people who are interested in their own grasp of power over the lives of others. Whereas with you and I, we're not interested in this weaponized gamesmanship. Uh, when I come on, I'm not, I'm not trying to figure out a way to lie to you and to hurt you and to gain some advantage over it. When you invite me on, the, the same motives apply. You know, we just want to go sit out by the sit out by the fire pit and shoot the breeze. So what do you are you, what are you working on now? Do you have any particular um, well, yeah, I, I've, I've got this. Uh, I've got this Ammo Land article. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm scrolling on it now about this Mexican uh, initiation of warrants against uh, Guzman, the cartel guy, and and the two Calderon uh, ministers. And the thing I found interesting in Guzman is, uh, and 
correct me if I'm wrong, but if Mexico wants to extradite him to Mexico, didn't he escape Mexican prisons before? Yeah. Yeah. And and if these guys are all corrupt and they're all in bed with each other. If they get him back to Mexico, it seems like that's kind of a a hall pass. I, I can just see I can just see the bus bringing him in. Uh you know, gets gets stopped at the roadside by his cartel friends who set him free. You know, we talked earlier about how come, you know, Americans aren't being punished. <coughs> ATF actually just, you know, put out a statement that they were going to treat them as personnel policy violations. Okay. Uh, and, and this is at the time we saw one of the key gunwalker figures from that uh that jurisdiction was offered a lucrative double-dipping sweetheart deal. And what that meant was that he had about half a year to retire on ATF, and he was still going to collect his pay from them. But they were going to go let him go work overseas in the Philippines for J.P. Morgan, okay, which would have the, the dual effect of getting him out of the country while investigations were going on. But also, J.P. Morgan was the credit card provider for ATF. So now we have the symbiotic financial relationship going on. And now we have, you know, it's what they call the public-private partnerships. Uh, some might refer to it as economic fascism, okay? Uh, what is going on with this? How come, how come you're getting this guy who was up to his neck in Fast and Furious out of the country to the Philippines and you're giving him lucrative rewards? Where's the punishment in that? As you were saying, well, maybe I'm naive, okay, for thinking, why can't people, you know, if wishes were fishes, we'd all cast nets, right? Right, yeah. I, I want to read you something that, that I wrote a couple of years ago, um, at more, more like about 10 years ago, when I thought that House Oversight was actually going to get some of these guys to talk. And, and I see it right in front of me here. I, it's part of my article. I said, and it's a quote from an article that I did 10 years ago. I said, this could be huge. The monolithic front presented by the administration is crumbling. Career law enforcement personnel are in fear of being charged as criminals and are looking to protect themselves. That could mean ultimately implicating higher-ups as opposed to falling on their swords and taking one for the team. Well, that never happened. How come that never happened? Because the Republicans who had the ball in their court refused to throw it back with full force. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's something that's becoming more and more evident to, to people who are paying attention to what's going on is that a lot of the Republicans are not on the people's side. And, and by what I mean by the people is, look, we have our jobs and our jobs are what we do every day. We don't we don't hang on every word of every politician in the world or in the country to, to see what they think and how, what they think we ought to do or what this, all we're asking is to get the truth so that we can make decisions about our lives. We don't really want the, the politicians to, to do anything particularly for us, except just their job, just find out what's wrong and, and, and let us know about it and try to fix it. You know, Mitch McConnell is a really good, a really good example of somebody who does exactly the opposite of what you would think that they would do in their own interest. That, and that's where it's frustrating for a guy like me is I'm, 
I'm like, look, I'm not asking you to go to bat for me. I'm not asking you to, I'm asking you to just act in your own interest. And if you would do that, I would, I would get what I want, but you won't because. Yeah. He, he, he's acting in his own interest. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, David, if you, if you, uh, if you don't hold their feet to the fire on, on fast and furious, on, on the Gunwalker scandal. Then they just get more, they just get bolder and more brazen about what they do next time. And the next time, and the next time. Who's that, Swalwell, who who, who was, you know, in, in bed with the Chinese spy for all that time, and he still sits on our intelligence committee. Now, it's something that I talked about last episode, too, was the perfection of irresponsibility. We figured out or at least the people in power figured out how to just point fingers in the opposite direction. The media follows that and we never get to the bottom of anything. How on earth can we be pursuing the goals of this country if, if we can, we'll have Chinese spies sleeping with the guy in the intelligence committee? And, and everybody knows about it and it doesn't stop. It's really frustrating. It's really, uh, and, and, and ultimately extremely dangerous. And that's where it gets my attention. We, we are hurtling toward the edge of a cliff that without hyperbole could mean the end of everything until such time as, as it can be restored. And that is not going to be pretty or pleasant or short or easy a lot of it is what I attribute to what I call profiles in apathy. Okay. And, and I can name any number of projects that could have made a difference over the past few decades where people who had an interest in it wouldn't get involved. They wouldn't write a letter. They wouldn't share a link they wouldn't give $5 and, and we get all the excuses. The excuses being, well, you know, I have a job, I'm working, I don't have time, I have a family, I have this, I have that. I've had all of these things during this time. Right. I've had responsible jobs, okay, that required full dedication and a lot of work and not just 40 hours a week and children that I raised and had to pay attention to and a wife that I had who deserved my attention and my loyalty. And somehow or other, you know, they, they, they say, if you want the job done, give it to a busy man. And people continue to make excuses for why they don't get involved. And, and there's a uh, Churchill quote, and I, I don't have it memorized, but it's something to the effect of, if you will not fight now, while things are easy, the time will come when, you know, it's going to be all of it. Okay. You're going to have to fight for all of it. And if you have not gone through the easy steps of doing the easy things asked of you, then how can, how can you be expected to have credibility swearing that you're going to become the next, you know, guy holding, holding the rifle up, screaming Wolverines, you know, right. People have no idea of the sacrifices and how hard it would be 
and and how easy it would be to give up in tearful frustration over impossible, insurmountable odds that only a few can manage to get through and prevail over. Um, I don't want to see this country heading in the direction that it appears to be heading in, but it appears that that my voice is is so limited that I may as well be, you know, standing on a street corner screaming at passing cars, you know. But but then there's the saying, well, there's there's no voting our way out of it. Well, maybe that's maybe that's true. Maybe maybe that's ultimately what we're going to be forced with. But I would have to say, how many people saying that have ever worked campaigns, gone down and done poll watching, walked precincts, done all the things that are necessary, be, be, you know, become a precinct committee person yourself, gotten involved in the system. And if you're just going to, ah, no, nah, you know, it's just a waste of time and you guys are fools, well, then fine. Lead, lead us in the struggle. Yeah, okay, what, what, but first you, show, show me your track record for being a leader and for being able to endure and to be able to come up with uh, innovative plans that understand a fundamental uh, comprehension of what we're faced with and how to deal with it and, and not just be some low-hanging fruit that's out there loud-mouthing on the internet uh, and setting yourself up to be low-hanging fruit for the next FBI team that wants to come in and plant in confidential informants and, and agents provocateur. Okay. Right. Yeah. And I agree with that a hundred percent because, you know, you run into a lot of people on the internet that, and all they seem to be able to do is to distract and, and, and diminish everything everybody's trying to do. And they got all the mm -hmm. answers and all the, all of the wisdom and all of the direction in the world. And yet I never see them propose anything. They always just tear down what's been proposed. I don't see them saying, well, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. I, my attitude is much like yours. If you're not out there engaged in the fight in whatever way that is to try to save what this country is, then there's no reason that you can't vote for something. Or go get part, you know, become part of your. I had uh, George Gramlich, who has a, um, the uh, Sangre de Cristo Sentinel up there in Westcliff, Colorado, and has changed that entire county. I mean, they replaced people on the health uh, board of health to get rational, you know, COVID uh, restrictions either removed or, or or make sense to some people, you know. And he's had he's done it all just by that and. Um, and feels the same way, you know, yeah, we're, we're not going to vote our way out of this. We're going to have to, but, but to say that, to say that voting has no role in it, I don't know how you come up with that. I mean, in, until, as I said before, until lead starts flying, do everything else you can in the meantime to try to, if nothing else, frustrate the other side's uh, ambitions. I have a saying I use on War on Guns, which is my blog, uh, the War on Guns Notes from the Resistance. And it's basically any chair in a bar fight. Any chair in a bar fight recognizes that thing around you can be a tool that you can use. The same fundamental principle applies uh, politically, sociologically, 
so that you don't turn your nose up at tools. If you can forestall something, maybe for months, maybe for years, with a vote, then you're gaining time to hopefully be preparing for worse things before this happens. You're forestalling bad things from happening, or maybe you're derailing bad things from happening. You don't turn your nose up at any tool that you can use to uh, increase and sustain your survivability and your being able to prevail. And, and so that's, that's kind of where, where I put that. And so I, I get involved, um, you know, socially, I get involved politically. Um, don't turn my nose up at any of that stuff. I, I do assess things. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to waste my time. You know, we, we'll get uh, uh, emails from various uh, advocacy groups saying, write your senators. I, you know, if I'm in California and, and you're telling me, you know, to oppose a gun bill, why the hell am I going to write to Dianne Feinstein? Right. Okay, if I'm in New York, why am I going to write to Chuck Schumer? You're, you're, you're wasting my time with this kind of stuff. So there's political efforts that are a waste of time. And there are political efforts that could possibly bear fruit and or keep something bad from happening. So I was going to ask you also, uh, have you been approached at all? Has anybody approached you about doing any kind of filming or any stories about Fast and Furious? I was working with a uh, producer director, a guy with some uh, good creds. And we were trying to raise money uh, to pursue Fast and Furious. And there was a potential that I could have been an interview subject. That, was, that wasn't my drive for, for doing it. Um, I have been approached by, but the, 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 this, was, this was a person who I could verify. And, and this was a person that I knew was uh, not going to try to screw me over. Because I, I get approached and turned down approaches uh, from the media all the time. Uh, because... That's 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 a losing game. They, you know, if it's a, if it's establishment media, uh, you ha you have to look at who they are, what their work is, who this reporter is, what his work is, see what kind of sentiments just kind of ooze through. And there have been times uh, I, I did something with uh, you know one one of the sources that uh, that I typically am very critical of is Vice Vice News, and yet there was a reporter there who. Uh, by looking at his work, I decided that um, that his approach, even though our ideologies would end up different, um, he was interested in pursuing a story and getting to the truth in it. So him, I consented to. Another one approached me uh, not too long ago uh, to talk about Stuart Rhodes and Oath Keepers. And I looked at him and I looked at where he came from and I just told him, I'm not interested in talking to you. I agreed to uh, be in lies of omission because you came with good references. Uh, and, and believe me, you know, I mean, I've been, I've been familiar with you since Christian mercenary and stuff like that. I had always sort of wanted to do a, a good fast and furious film, but you just, the, the funding for something like that is just so hard to come by. Is there any other uh, um, thing you'd like to talk about here at all? I see a lot of a lot of people out there, contemporary colleagues, if you will, 
And they essentially take a story um, that appears from another media source and in some ways just kind of reword it. What I try to do is I, I, I try not to do that if I, if I am not coming up with something that is my original idea, if it is spinning off of or riffing off of uh, someone else's work, what I try to do is I try to find and then emphasize a point that was made, but that is not being emphasized in that work. So I try to take that and segue off and go off in a totally different direction and then come up with some original observations. And one of the other things that I do, uh, probably to the irritation of, of many of the readers, is that, uh, well, I just stick links in there up the yin-yang, okay? Because <laughs> I believe in being able to document and prove everything I say, you know, that what you're reading, yeah, sure, you're going to get my opinion. I try to link to documentation that corroborates and validates any claims that I make. The other sources that I write for are Ammo Land. And um, I do basically a couple of columns a week for them. And also, I've been writing for the last few years for Firearms News, which is a big one. And, and it's their publication that, you know, chances are you can find it in your local supermarket. Um, I haven't had an article with them for about a month or two. So I've got to get back into that. Uh, um, and so those, those are basically where my work shows up. Don't really uh, just live through this stuff uh, in, in terms of being totally absorbed with it. Life is bigger than that. I have a complete life away from this and outside of this that has very little, if not nothing to do with this, that, that includes uh, you know, uh, what, what the founders considered to be um, you know, the blessings of liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And I think that's important because we're here once and we have to make sense of it for ourselves. If we're fortunate, we find love and trust in our lives, which are paramount to making the entire experience worthwhile. I would, I would hate to just be this bitter person all alone, just sitting there. Oh, I got to get my political, you know, that, 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 that's. The people who typically vote Republican are people who don't want to vote at all. They don't want to have this be part of their life at all. They've got other things. They've got they've got lives and and ambitions and ideas they want to pursue that have nothing to do with politics. And the problem It'll is do. the other side, the communist side. What I can't even call them Democrats, really, because the communist side is they live for that. That is their 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 purpose in life for these politics and to to achieve power and to achieve all of these things through politics. And it, it's so it's really difficult to fight somebody who's 100% in the game with a bunch of guys that are 10% in the game. Well, this is where this is where balance comes into it, okay? You, you just can't, you know, uh, I have things, like I say, that are totally unrelated to this, but that doesn't mean that a substantial portion of my life is not dedicated to ensuring that my pursuit of happiness and, and the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, okay, uh, are important to me because, you know, I, I do have posterity that's going to go on after I'm gone. 
Well, that was David Gurdria. Uh, he had a lot of other things going on besides the Fast and Furious scandal that broke about 10 years ago, and I'm sure, and I, as he mentioned, he fought to get that uh, for years to try to get the media or um, the government to pay attention to it and to bring some, some charges against these people who are obviously guilty. So be sure to click the little rumble button and the subscribe button and leave a comment or support our efforts through anchor.fm. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this. Adios.